0: Hey, welcome back to tunes tunes podcast i'm harold uh as always you could follow us on social media tunes tunes podcast that's t-u-n-e-s slash t-o-o-n-s on facebook instagram twitter uh and then you could follow us on google play itunes wherever you listen to your podcast this is episode 13 uh, i got daniel Bo Kemper in the house what up daniel hey um but yeah we were just talking about this before you know we started recording here um We met through a mutual friend, uh, Caleb Masters, who's actually been on the show. I think he was on the Pokemon versus Digimon uh, panel recently. And so, uh, yeah, you just kind of, we met through him, and I guess you've been working with him, like with the Cinematropolis?
1: Just a little while, uh, really less than a month. I published my first piece for him uh, just a few weeks ago over The Lobster, uh, a good romantic film that you should all check out. Uh, I remember seeing the the uh, preview for that and thinking, what is this crazy ass movie? Yeah, It's maybe. A24, isn't it? Masochistic a little bit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And it's from a, a filmmaker I really love. Uh, aggression filmmaker did Dog Tooth, uh, The Alps, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, I think was his most recent one. Uh, but I always mess up his name. I think it's Lorthmos, Jorgmos. I'm gonna just throw out a bunch of syllables. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Norwegian or something. Uh, Swedish. Greek, uh, he's from Greece. Oh, you said Greece. I mean, yeah. I said Gresham first. Yeah, I don't. Be,
0: obviously, I don't <laughs> listen to my guests. Uh, I'm just here to listen to myself talk. So it's uh. fine. I'll humor you for now. God. Sorry about that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you've just been recently working with him. So do you spend most of your
1: time with like the World Literature Today? Then that is my probably my longest publication I've contributed to. Okay, um, and they're out of Norman, but they are I think nationwide. World Literature Today, maybe they're global. I don't know. It's in their name, but uh, I have no idea. But that's been my longest, uh, I guess, running publication I've worked with. But I've also I edited the Oxford Karma. I uh, was an associate editor, I should say, of their television. Uh, film and Culture Division in 2015 for about a year, and then I've contributed to the Oklahoma Gazette, uh, right. WickedHorror dot com, which is a, an online horror publication. Oh, nice! Um, it's a lot of fun, and then I've uh, worked with Current Land, the Current. Cur- They've changed their name so many times. Yeah, I remember when it was current
0: Lynn, but I didn't know that it even changed, to be honest with you.
1: It like changed and then it immediately fizzled out. So it's (laughs) hard to even allude to that work because it's like, yeah, I interviewed Lewis Black and then it's like, go look it up online and then it's nowhere to be found. Maybe in like the darkest crevices of the internet, you won't find it. But. (laughs) And on my flash drive. So yeah. that's about it. Well, cool, man. So is that just like kind of the nature of it
0: is all kind of film based, you'd say? Or do you kind of spread out? Would you say that
1: you have like one specific area of focus per se? Uh, film predominantly. I've, I mean, that's what I've, I'm compelled by the most. That's what I've done the most of. Um, literature as well. But I think I'm a little more narrow in that respect. Definitely film overall.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because you know that when you meet Caleb and you talk to Caleb, then it makes sense why you guys would be a good, a, a bit good of pairing. Symmetry. Yeah, right. <laughs> so because he's very, very much like the analytical, like deep dive kind of guy. Really, every guy, like all the people at the uh, Cinematropolis are like that.
1: That's what enticed me too. Yeah. It's more than just film reviews, which is the you know the vast majority of things I've done before. It's just yeah. film reviews, which are to get formulaic. They get a little bit redundant. Sometimes yeah. you start to you know, fall on, on whatever your defaults are for, for analyzing something. And, and I think the Cinematropolis compels you to look at it a bit differently, but also encourage your readers to look at it in that same way. And, you know, you can't really do that with like a 400 word. Yeah, review that's true.
0: Necessarily. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, just, uh, also with the yeah. horror element, like I think that's really cool too. Uh, one of my past guests, Mike Anderson, mm-hmm. he actually hosts a podcast. It's a scary movie, ice cream podcast. Really? And it's just like a, a a show that he did with a friend of his. Uh, he went to UCO yeah, and uh, he met a, I don't know if they met at UCO, but they've been friends uh, since uh, at least college, but his friends has since moved to Nashville, but they do a podcast where like back in the day, they would just like go get ice cream at Brahms and okay. then watch like scary movies.
1: That's really so cool. That's like
0: where the ice cream <laughs> came into play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they just review like different horror movies and like talk about um, they did like a really cool a uh, special on Halloween mm-hmm. where it was like talking about uh, the best Halloween themed like cartoons, like throwback, yeah. like all real monsters and Rugrats and stuff like that, like the best like Halloween themed episodes. So I think yeah. that's really interesting, like the horror yeah. uh, genre that
1: sticks out. The macabre resonates, too. And I think we've seen a bit of a uh, again with film, there's a bit of a like horror resonance or excuse me, a horror renaissance as of late with, like, It Follows and um, Annihilation, which just came out, Get Out, of course, yeah. Um, earlier this year. So, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say, just because that kind of seems to play right into your vibe with, like, um, what you, you had mentioned as being, like, all-time favorite type stuff is, like, Satoshi Kon. Mm-hmm. And that's very much, like... Um, you know, psychological, like, gets into your head type stuff. What was, like, your first intro into Satoshi Kon's work? Like, what, what kind of drew you to him?
1: Yeah, well, I think we, when we initially met, we connected on uh, Adult Swim. Isn't that yeah. where you got kind of yeah, your yeah. introduction into? I saw,
0: I had seen Paranoia Agent. Actually, I've right. seen it. I've I seen it. I seen it. I seen- um, I actually wasn't introduced to it until later. Yeah. And... I remember people saying it was on Adult Swim and I was like, freaking
1: win. Like I do not remember that. It probably had the, one of the most limited runs. I know it, it aired again on, on G4 TV or G4 net or whatever it is. It, it, it re aired there. They had like an anime block, but I think it was only again, a single, you know, pretty much a 13 week run. Um, I think Adult Swim only syndicated it twice if I recall. And then, uh, yeah, and the Blu-ray is like three hundred dollars. So, Jeez. right? No, it's really rare. Um, but yeah, that's that was my kind of my first inter- introduction into Cone. and I guess without knowing it, you know, like Aronofsky's work, um, both Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan pull from uh, his, yeah, I believe his first film uh, from nineteen ninety seven, uh, Perfect Blue. You know, there's a lot of parallel sequences, and you can see kind of thematically an obvious, um, you know, obvious parallel. Um, an inspiration taken from that I think aronofsky um, acknowledges that and before I even encountered any of his film again with inception you know noland was was pretty uh forthright about you know admitting that paprika uh Cohen's last feature-length film was one of the biggest inspirations for wow that. That. that's so, cool yeah. like I hadn't so, realized that it's pretty neat he and and I guess that's the other thing is he he kind of pervades he seems limited I mean he only has the one anime series, and it's 13 episodes, and then you have four feature films, um, but where you'd think you'd get overshadowed by, you know, all of the Ghibli and Miyazaki and, and, and you know, any other number of works that that hit on that same genre and that theme, he, he seems to, uh, he pervades, you know, a little bit, and then he's actually hit the Western conscious in a way that I haven't seen too many, um, you know, anime directors, creators, well, I'm not sure filmmakers have, yeah. but...
0: I wonder if that's because you kind of tapped into like that that horror genre, like that psychological. Maybe we latch onto a little bit better. I don't. I it's kind of. I mean, you're kind of grasping for straws to try to like Some, figure out what it is like an intangible thing that makes it, it stick
1: out. But. It is, and when you find someone who can, and I mean, the, the thing about it, the ineffable is really the best way we can describe it is by kind of illustrating it, you know, through our art, and, and Satoji Khan definitely Satoshi Kon definitely does that uh, in a myriad of ways. But yeah, I think mostly I was really terrified of, of little slugger, you know, when I first saw him, just this kid that runs around and bashes people in with a,
0: yeah, with a like bad the, the and, running like, uh, so yeah, um, for that, um, that's one of the shows, like I was saying, I, I hadn't even realized that that was hmm. a thing. And then I found it a little bit later, like friends tell me about it and I'm like, what? I don't remember that at all. Did you so, actually
1: catch all of it? Or was no, it just in that, that's what part, I was yeah. going to
0: say is actually one that's made its way onto my list I have like this ongoing like list that I'm, I'm convinced is never gonna is never going to end. Yeah. Because inevitably, you know, every guest I have on has like four or five shows right. that I should check out. And like, I haven't seen, you know, a majority of them. And I'm like, man, because yeah. I'm kind of like the self-professed like basic bitch <laughs> of anime. Like, it was like anything that was on Toonami or like the late night stuff. And then, you know, later on is when I started to branch out into things, you know, like, oh, this is kind of different. And I think that's kind of a testament to Satoshi Kone as well mm-hmm. because, you know, just from whatever, like, uh, like Paprika and paranoia. And- and things like that, the things that kind of sticks out—it's like uh, from every everything that I've heard from like my friends that have like that are like really deep and invested in the series—is mm-hmm. it kind of breaks out like, those normal tropes that you see. It's kind of like it has like a different take, you know. It's very reminiscent of like traditional anime, like in, the, mm-hmm. it's, in its illustration and like the way the animation's done, but with the way the story is, is very divergent from like the you know the common tropes, like the you know the good guy. You know, Can't yeah. Catch a Break or like the harem, like, you know, there's these themes that we've built up. They're like the commonplace things that, you know, animate the animate fault to.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, he he contends that or contests those. He's a bit of a, a an opponent to anime in a lot of ways. I think some of his, his later films, especially Paprika and Tokyo Godfathers, they're a bit atypical, and and he's so grounded in reality, almost to the point of being grotesque. And I think he's in, intentionally so in a lot of the ways. Or in yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, his characters are never caricatures. I guess they're, and sometimes they might be. You know, they're never overly sexualized or anything like that. You never. But that's
0: like such a common thing. It is. It's which is why you, why you have that caveat of they're not over sexualized because that's such a commonplace like trope and thing right. and that you have to say these characters actually have depth that's not just like the superficial
1: he, he almost yeah on the uh, speaking of superficial almost on this the uh the surface level his i think his prevalence is because of his mundanity how he finds uh, and i don't mean that as an insult but i think he can take very normal looking things and suddenly turn them into these just elaborate and incredibly illustrious images i mean you see it more so and it, and it just seems to get more and more like with every thing he does it it tends to just get better and better and and grander um really really interesting though i i I think paranoia agent i never saw it in its entirety either okay but it's kind of intentionally you know fragmented and fragmented and partitioned it's um i heard apparently in an interview he suggested that it was just all of his ideas that he couldn't you know fit into a feature-length film Um, because most of his ideas are pretty concise Uh, none of his films exceed 90 minutes I believe I think they're all pretty much right at that press a peep and I mean Paranoia Agent itself as you mentioned it's 13 episodes and they are a bit disjointed Um, but they all stand very strongly Um, they're very independent, I should say, of the series in a lot of ways. There's an overarching story, but you don't have to watch all of them in succession to appreciate it. To necessarily them. get it, yeah. Exactly, and that's uh, that's why I'm driven to him too as well because I have a bit of a short attention span sometimes. <laughs> you were mentioning people like recommend uh, animes to you, and it's hard because you have a really high chance that one of those animes are going to exceed like 100 episodes. And oh, yeah, definitely. Well, there's also
0: like the rule of um, us talking to uh, – I think it was Parker uh, from Mm. Nicknose that he's, he was on an episode before yeah. and he was telling me about a guy, I think that he watches that does reviews on YouTube or something, but Mm -hmm. it's a guy that does a, about anime, like he does reviews about anime and um, he kind of gives it the rule of three. If you can't get into it in three episodes, which to me, that's a little bit like, uh, you could, you could really have something breakthrough in the fifth episode. Yeah. But to me, that's kind of what I've have gotten to get, like where I've gotten, With these shows, you know, just finding such a high volume of shows from people, Mm -hmm. I obviously can't get in and watch every single episode of Naruto and also watch like five other shows at the same time. You know, yeah, I kind of have to piecemeal it and like see if something fits for me. But I think that's like the overarching thing with anime is that there's literally like you could watch something and not like it. It's it's kind of like beers. If you think about beers, like oh, I don't like IPA. Well you probably like something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's something for you. You just got to find your thing. Right. And that's the thing about anime is that it's like, it's so universal. Like there's so many different things. Like if you, like I was saying, like if you're not, if you don't like one specific thing, you're bound to find something you like.
1: Yeah. And, and such a, it's so weird how diverse a medium it is in such a like short period of time. I don't know what the first, you know, anime would be, but it seems like all the ones that we know, they, you know, it's, pretty much the last three decades or the last four decades maybe for stretching it. And, and that's fascinating how quickly that's grown. And, and again, how diverse it is. It, it encapsulates almost every genre. Yeah. So,
0: so yeah, like you were, you were saying that, you know, you, you hadn't actually f- yeah. finished paranoia agent, but I, I think it, it's worth exploring a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. from, for what you do know. Um, just cause that was one that you had mentioned and right. I'm, um, I wish I knew more about it. Mm-hmm. And so if you could just kind of talk about like the draw to that one, kind of the theme behind it, maybe if you know some of the backstory um, and just kind of, you know, talk to me as if I, like, I didn't know anything about it at all okay. and why I should watch it. Fair enough.
1: Well, as I mentioned, it's a little bit removed. It came later. I think it was in 2003 or four, which was after the majority of Cone's work. So, you know, it was, it was begotten by three of his feature films. Um, and again, it was a, it was basically just a. He considered it the dumpster for all of his ideas that weren't strong enough to 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 reach feature length. But there is a, a narrative across them all, and it it largely involves a this sort of. You think it's a physical force, but not quite. Little Slugger. Um, I I got used recently to calling him Shonen Bat. Um, as he's translated, but I but the 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 Western translate or the you know, the English versions, it's a little slugger. Um, he's sort of this kid on golden roller skates that uh, kind of attacks people when they're at their most vulnerable. And often he's not really the reason. People aren't, you know, afraid of this, you know, this little slugger chasing them. Um, but instead they they develop a, a fear or a paranoia, really, you know, these, these severely stressful situations brought on by any number of different circumstances in their lives. Um, so really the first six episodes are kind of just separate, you know, like an anthology, exactly, and that's that's why I, I think it it you know in, in horror I'm, I'm even if they're terrible I'm such a sucker for anthology films and in a lot of ways um, that's what paranoia agent is um, but there is the you know there is a crime there's recurring crimes and they do reference one another there is a chronology in the series so it also follows two uh, investigators one who's really young gung ho fresh out of uh, forensics. School criminology, I don't know. Whatever school you go to study <laughs> <laughs> uh criminals, he, he is pretty much fresh out of that uh that academy and he's he's just really excited to uh, to dive into this mystery that people are having a really hard time um getting their head around. And then you have the jaded, the the older Detective who really just doesn't care. He just wants to find the kid, find little slugger and and, and bring justice to him. But uh, the funny thing is the series, I, I mean, he's apprehended early. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to, to, to say that the story isn't really about finding little slugger. It's about understanding what he means and what is it this, you know, what's actually haunting people. And it seems to be this, almost this collective paranoia that just yeah. materializes in a lot of but different ways. But he's kind of like, would you say he's, it's just like a, a narrative, and
0: the fact that little Slugger might be like the physical manifestation of people's underlying paranoia yeah. or you know issues that they're dealing with. Right. Little Slugger would maybe maybe just be that physical manifestation of that.
1: Yeah, he he really only shows up when things are pretty much at their worst. Um, it, it he he will he attacks his victims when they've kind of already yeah. hit rock bottom in in such a way. So it's it's interesting because you can see him as this like tangible, you know, the physical man- manifestation of of the I guess the the antagonizing forces and uh in paranoia agent, but but in I guess reality, however you want to frame that in, in Cohn's works, um it, really the antagonists are oneself. Um, you know, one's own perception, their own disillusions about other people, their own inability to 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 control, you know, their own emotions or their own character, their own behavior. Yeah. And it it's, goes from subtleties. I mean, one of the the best episodes are, are I mean, I believe it's the second episode involves these two kids that are of uh, they're like. Junior high or middle school, and it's a kid who's the most popular kid in school. He's just really accepted, and uh, people begin to resent him because he wears the same roller skates and he wears a baseball cap, and it's that's what Little Slugger is. So they assume he's been attacking, you know, people randomly, and thus his tar- um, his reputation is tarnished. And then a new kid who's kind of a social pariah, but's really trying and kind of endearing, um, but he's clearly the the foreigner, the new kid. He he. Sees him as this, you know, enemy, and from that his paranoia is is developed, and he assumes that everything that's happening is just a you know to undermine his uh, bid for the class president. Yeah. It's it's really crazy. It's, how it's that kind of that out. nature,
0: that human nature, you know, the egocentrism of it. Right, you know, you kind of think this is happening to combat me. You know, this is mm-hmm. happening against me. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that's just like I think Satoshi Kon does that in a way that's probably almost masterful. That he he kind of takes that introspection and just you know puts that on full display, mm-hmm. like the the idea that you know one's self is what everything is revolving around. Yeah, and kind of flips on it on its head. You know, kind of has like that. That interesting way, the interesting way to play into it, mm-hmm. even though like you know obviously there's still like the nods back to the traditional anime tropes like with the two detectives, like you're saying, yeah, you know one's like the new kid on the block ready, ready to go with any the other guys like jaded mm-hmm. that's not like a new thing, you know that's like a not at all that's a common trope, you know, like an odd couple, yeah, um but it's done in a way where it's like not so much focusing on like their relationship as it is with you know people's relationship with their own self. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the way that Satoshi Cohn is like divergent from
1: others in the genre. I don't know if you agree or. No, I would absolutely agree. And on that note, the two, you know, the two detectives that are, you know, they're they're contrasts to to one another, they're they're polar opposites almost. That dualism is, it pervades all of Cohn's work for the most part. I I actually, there's a. uh, youtuber uh every frame of painting is his channel it's kind of inactive now he hasn't really produced anything but he did do a piece on Cohn um a few years ago shortly shortly following Cohn's death and he he examined the dualism that that cone will will you know maintain and and pretty much all of his work television and film alike uh but through his editing and whether or not that's necessarily intentional i assume it it, it is or it's at least uh, present enough that that we associate it with his work continually, it, it, it feeds its way into pretty much everything. There's yeah. a, a constant dualism, and and a um, not only with the young and the old, the perception of oneself, you know, our, our introverted and extroverted self, but also with beauty, the fine line of you know, again, the, the grotesque and and what we would consider the beautiful, love and infatuation and hate and obsession. Uh, those all play into his films, and they're they're just. Always there, even reality and fantasy is is
0: the duality. Very of it.
1: common, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's kinda so. like
0: the 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 same way that um that Miyazaki tells the story. You know, mm-hmm. there's like the very surface level part of it, and that's definitely part of it. Like it's beautiful animation. Right. There's definitely the stories there, but the underlying tone you know, as either man versus man, man versus self, man versus nature. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same way in Satoshi Kon. But yeah, that's interesting. The, especially down to the YouTuber you referenced, every mm-hmm. frame of picture. And that Stanley Kubrick, right? did he uh, say that? Every frame of painting. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. So. And so that's another just, you know, master in editing. Like, you know, every every scene in a Kubrick film is intentional and mm-hmm. th- is there for a reason. And so that's just crazy that these common themes keep coming up, Um, uh, you know, it, it's just the nature of it.
1: You yeah, know, everything's just, a bit intertextual. There's yeah, maybe I don't want to go as far to say everything is is necessarily a derivative, but and I mean, Cohen admits it. I mean, he took huge inspiration, especially with Paranoia Agent* from like David Lynch and his films, and um, you know others. I assume Kubrick is probably up there with them, at least in his way of editing, because there's every um, every frame is almost a painting. There is nothing that 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 really. Is and especially with like an animator an animation studio, but but I, I think with Cone, there's such an attention to detail. You know, there's nothing. I know. I almost say there's almost no backgrounds, and I know that sounds dumb, but like everything can jump out at you. Everything can be interacted with. It doesn't seem like he's tethered to just an expectation. You know, it can it can go anywhere, but then it's also is grounded in that way. And um, you know, there is a, a bit of an expect- expectation. There are more realistic characters and archetypes and. Um, especially their psychology tends to play out in a way that, um, I don't know, it just makes them way more realistic than a, a, a good portion of anime I've experienced. Yeah. And, and so.
0: so in that same way, I was hoping that you would pursue, um, you know, pull at this thread of Satoshi Kone. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that in the... Uh, t- Paprika in the same way to someone you know, as if you're talking to someone that has never seen it. Yeah, if you're just pretend you're talking to someone, whoever's listening, that maybe has never seen that movie. Like, why is that movie so impactful? What what's so different about that movie that makes it so easy to recall for you?
1: Yeah. So most, I mean, a it's it's visually striking. It's it's probably among his most stunning films, and you have a lot. Um, his, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I believe the last name is Umasawa, but part of the reason why people remember Paranoia Gent is the opening theme, right? You know, like the, do you recall that? The, yeah. the, the screaming and everything? Uh, I'm not going to emulate it Yeah, it go poorly, but, uh, rest in peace headphone users. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> the, it, uh, it recurs that same composer, uh, took the helm of, of Pac Brica, and, and that's, what's, what's really notable is the, the score. But, uh, in a nutshell, paprika is a film about dreams. Primarily it's about a woman who assumes and her name is a uh, Chiba. She's a, a, a doctor, basically a psychologist who is at the, basically at the forefront of this intrusive dream technology. She helps a, uh, another, uh, one of her colleagues who's kind of this, massive obese man child, uh, who developed a way to enter one's dreams and figure out what's, you know, wrong with them, a way to assess somebody's psychology and hopefully help them. And, and just another form of therapy. Um, they do this via a machine called the, uh, I believe it's the DC or the DK mini. um, and it just attaches to somebody's head and then, you know, another user can wear it and suddenly you can enter their dreams and see their dreams, you know, as if it was like watching a movie or something. Um, unfortunately, the, the prototype of this machine is stolen and who has stolen it uses it to kind of commit terrorism, enter people's dreams and suddenly uh, override their own personality and, and in a kind of way it's like mind control almost. And there's this recurring vision that every victim uh, encounters, which is just this parade of like nothing like refrigerators, you know, animate and walking around and frogs playing trombones. There's just so many things. Like every, (laughs) almost every scene. Um, and they're all like shouting this like gibberish chant, but they're doing so in unison and they're all moving towards something. Again, it's just this, like all of the, the, the weirdest things you can, you can probably possibly imagine, uh, you know, they show up in this this parade, this recurring uh, vision that everyone that everyone sees that that ultimately leads to their the demise. It kind of assimilates everybody, and um, so it's a film, and you can probably see where maybe Inception is uh, yeah. probably influenced by this a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's really about dreams, and I think uh, Satoshi Kon and and a lot of critics acknowledge that he's progressively gotten a bit. More, I guess, intrusive into into maybe not human p- behavior, but maybe thought itself. You know, I think Perfect Blue it, it is about in a lot of ways like paranoia, and it's about the you know the perception of oneself, our secret life, and then our our public life, and more and more and more it goes into you know what is how does our past with Tokyo Godfathers how does our past create who we are now, and how does that uh, in turn kind of propel our our meaning, our worth, and even more so with paprika, he goes into how do our dreams define us? How do our, how does our imagination build who we actually are? Uh, and I think he was probably going to take that a little bit further. Um, unfortunately his last film, which was, I think tentatively titled the dreaming machine or the dream machine or something. Um, he, he died in mm-hmm. the midst of it. But, yeah. But to my knowledge, it was going to be about, you know, almost more so. So he was always running this thread. I think, you know, it was almost like he was taking a journey from, reality always kind of deepening his toes in you know into the the pool that is the imagination and, and finally with paprika he decided to kind of dive headfirst into it yeah and uh maybe the dream machine was going to be him just submerged in him it would just be a movie <laughs> about who knows i don't know but uh i, I really do think it, it's kind of the culmination of of all his work and paranoia agent included um and i think that's why it it means so much to me personally is Um, But it's also about, I mean, in a real sense, it it has characters that aren't, you know, you have a a massively obese, but enduring, um, you know, but he's a a very enduring uh, character. And instead of removing his agency and, and, you know, using him as a punchline for a joke, um, you know, he's actually an incredibly deep character. and, And that plays out more and more as the film progresses. But. Uh, I don't know. Was that was that the answer? Was that you yeah? Mean? <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, there's not a right answer, but obviously, uh,
0: you know, the, that's just kind of the thing that I wanted to pursue. You know, after just kind of putting your perception onto it, I was going to ask. You know, was there was it a particularly uh, influential point in your life that you think you found that? Um, I know it's probably something maybe as innate and maybe intangible, but mm-hmm. what do you think? You know, made that so high on recall for you. What is the thing that, you know, kind of made that integral to, to where you recall that whenever you're, you know, it kind of shapes your perception and what you like from, from that point on whenever you find something like that.
1: Yeah. It's definitely one of the first, if, if people talk about great animated films, it's, it's definitely one of the first and I, um, that I bring up. And part of that is both with its, I mean, the, the idea in of itself is it's, it's a film about imagination um, and, and dreams. I, I think films can be incredibly imaginative um, you know, like a lot of Miyazaki's works, but, uh, but very few of them, I think tackle that as a concept in of itself and, and try to see what that that actually means. There's a, uh, um, you know there's a character in it specifically that and I mentioned a few. Um, and God, his name escapes me right now, but it's a detective, another detective, which, um, you're going to, you see that in, in a lot of Cone's work. Um, but it's a detective that endures a, a recurring dream, um, you know, in basically six parts where he's, he's ultimately found, you know, regardless of what happens, he's taken through his, his fantasies of, of being a filmmaker and then, you know, quickly those end with him you know his reflecting on his personal failures you know his inability to uh you know he basically nearly witnesses a crime somebody dying being shot and then his inability to actually capture them and throughout the film you you see you know that's one of the most recurring sequences is that and you see it so many times over yet it's so different each time every time there's a bit of a progression even though it seems so incremental And I think with both the films that I gravitate towards the most, but, but also with, with paprika specifically, and especially in kind of an animated film, I I hate to say that when we say animated film, um, because I don't think there's anything that disqualifies an animated film from being, um, you know, as meaningful as, as worthwhile as a, as a live action film. Um, but I think maybe we, we see the spectacle and sometimes that, uh, blinds us to what what you know the substance I should say, and I don't think that's ever really compromised with Cone. I and and that's the thing. There's all these very incremental, you know, moments and these pivotal moments in which these characters develop. No one character is just static and just there just to facilitate another action. They all have their own development, and and it seems like he just has such a such an attention to to detail in that way, despite these just crazy sequences going on. And again, you, you look at the editing, I think the, the title sequence for Paprika, um, if you do catch that, that, uh, video I mentioned from, uh, every frame of painting, he, he kind of just gravitates towards the opening sequence and he gets to a point where he's like, and I don't even know what you would call this, this particular cut <laughs> where like, you know, the character Paprika is, um, you know, she's on like a street corner and then like a skateboarder comes by and then you see she's on his shirt and then she jumps out and you're in this, uh, just this other dimension, but, well, another area, maybe not the same dimension, but still, it, it's it's fascinating how he does that, yet somehow you, you never lose, you know, the the very human aspect of it. Um, and I think that's probably why. Yeah, I was um, going to say, just the, the
0: his, you know, Satoshi Kon's take on the human condition, I think is, you know, you could probably teach a master class on just the guy understands how the brain works. He right. he 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 illustrates that in a way that I think is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. And f- for people like us, like you know, the casual viewers all the way up to anime fans, mm-hmm. no matter when you find that, I think you could find, you know, yourself in some of these characters. Yeah. You know, you maybe you struggle with the same things that some of his characters struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so it just he, he has an innate way of personifying these characters. Yeah.
1: And he always it there's always a you know, I think with with most stories, there's kind of a, a, a struggle for meaning. But with him especially, there's a there's a just a struggle throughout all of his characters of self worth. Excuse me, self worth, and uh, really qualifying oneself. And what does that mean? And and both, you know, there's characters that that grow and they they reach you know achievements higher than what they you know, presumed was expected of them or what they could be capable of. And then you have people who, you know, in that same breath, you, you have instances where you need to take a moment and realize what you're doing actually is worthwhile. And I I think maybe as, you know, people in general, we kind of get caught up in like, we always got to do something better. We always got to do more of, of whatever we're doing. We have to be as prolific as we possibly can when we maybe sometimes fail to see that we've already done something that's, that's worth, you know, at least feeling good about. You know, yeah. if not, you know, don't stagnate or anything. But and and the fact that he again that dualism he kind of looks at at you know both sides of a, of a facet of humanity is is pretty incredible to me. Yeah, I
0: mean, I agree. Um, I wanted to kind of touch on one of the shows that you had referenced as being mm-hmm. one of your favorites, um, just because it, it stuck out to me because it may, it looks like something I may want to try to get into. Was it night? Oh, it's not Knights of the Zodiac. Uh, okay. No, I mean, I nights, thought- <laughs> shout out to nights of the Zodiac. Right. Please. Uh, actually one of the guys, I think Nick from Nick knows was on. Yeah. I think he told me that, um, that, uh, Netflix picked up Knights of the Zodiac. Really? And so it's going to be, and I think it was in 2018. It's going to be another animated series. Or yeah. I don't one? know if they're redoing it or if they're just, they got the license to show it on netflix or what
1: but okay
0: i was pretty geeked when he told me i was like yeah. what the hell hopefully people, they keep the bowling people actually watch it yeah
1: keep the bowling for soup cover yeah though, the you know? iran yeah
0: i know we were talking about <laughs> it, and they're gonna be here at the tower
1: bowling for soup is yeah oh my god and so they, I have, hope they to, have a Knights of of the they Zidio have
0: to play for. that yeah i was gonna say we'll tweet them after this episode and say you guys gotta play it i mean they don't have that much else to <laughs> like as far as <laughs> yeah. their singles go that play that one song everyone knows right just go. all right play it again <laughs> um no that's funny shout out to Knights of the Zodiac
1: and Bowling for Soup. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I didn't know if it followed like necessarily the high school trope, but Cromarty high school, Oh you yeah. Referenced. Um, I just, I don't know if, you know, I don't want to drastically
1: change gears. Oh, but, that's fine. Um, it's almost like more bizarre than anything <laughs> Cohen has done. But. but yeah,
0: can you just kind of talk about like your draw to that one and kind of what makes you, uh, that one stick out to you?
1: Well, um, my girlfriend introduced it to me when we first started dating. Um, and I think maybe, maybe it has a a bit of a closer place to my heart for that reason. Um, well, it's a, it's a comedy anime, but it's also just an absurdist anime. There's not really much of a, like in the vein of Jojo's or yeah, but almost like, like even weirder than Jojo's. At least Jojo has a story. Yeah. I don't know. I mean that that's, but, uh, Cromartie high school, it does have a story. It's about a, uh, a high schooler, I guess. He, uh, that's the one, and that's where pretty yeah. much all of the like that, and that's it. And that's reality. And bye. <laughs> we're going to leave it now. Like, first 20 seconds of the, <laughs> but it's about a uh, high schooler who starts at kind of a, he, he's expelled from his previous school and he starts at kind of a, a, a harder, rougher, like more disciplinarian school. But, you know, there's gangs that form in it and everything. But like, <laughs> it's just a, you know, just, a plethora of like weird characters. Freddie Mercury is a student at the, oh, wow. the high school. Yeah. yeah a mustache like, oh, and everything. Freddie, yes, it is. He doesn't even wear <laughs> the, the uh, he doesn't even wear the uniform. It's just verbatim Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and, uh, there's a uh, Robozawa who's a, a robot, but nobody like, and he obviously is a robot. Like he's got the square kind of, uh, if you've ever seen the, the, the like little Danbo cardboard robots or, um, you know, he's, he's that he's like verbatim. And like nobody really acknowledges that. That's kind of his like dark secret is that he's a robot, even though he's overtly robot. Wow, that's hilarious. In the first (laughs) fifteen seconds, a uh a a classmate comes up to the the main character, he grabs like thirty uh number two pencils and he just like eats all of all of them. But not like in a in a you know really animated cartoonish way like he it's like as if somebody were just eating pencils and he like it it's you really have to see it i don't know how, <laughs> how trying hard. to
0: explain it no like, i know uh, like every time
1: like oh and there's like a, just there's, watch it there's a gorilla <laughs> and the the gorilla's lover who's also a gorilla and they they Makes seem sense. to go and there's a guy with massive hair that kind of reminds me of uh what was that old it was on tsunami? like true uh, a trigon bobo 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 do you remember that i think maybe may have taken that was a dumb show yeah, this one might be ours. <laughs> but no, it it it'll always be a little close to me. If anything, it's just a good you put it on, it will likely make you laugh. Um Well it sounds crazy as hell. Yeah. No.
0: <laughs> um so one of the things, you know, I always talk to talk with my guests is um the parallel between anime and music. Mm-hmm. Um because those are kind of the things you could probably most be attacked for, I guess, growing up. Right. Um, cause you know, it's not like the cool thing to be in- into anime right. when you're growing up for whatever reason, but now everybody loves it. I know. Um, I was just reading the thing about like Kim Kardashian talking about her favorite anime. And I was like, huh? Yeah. And then like, even like Michael B. Jordan that was just in, uh, Black Panthers, right. I guess is a huge Naruto and like Dragon Ball Z
1: fan. Yeah. So it's like, is it just like the cool
0: thing now? Like, come on now.
1: I will say the way when, uh, Chester, uh, Oh, I can't think of his last name. Linkin Park's front man. Uh, Bennington. Bennington. When he passed away, uh, the way I reminisced um, was I uh, watched, like, all of the old Dragon Ball Z, Linkin Park uh, yeah. AMVs. And That's it, man. Yeah. There's that plenty was... to go through on YouTube. Right, exactly. So <laughs> it's like we're just going to, uh, you know. A compilation of Goku fighting Vegeta to end the end. Exactly. They'll just pulverize one another perfectly. Jeez. And, um, I mean, there definitely is a, a, and yeah, you're right. Like you're either, you're into, you know, embarrassing music or you're into anime or you're probably into <laughs> both. both. I, I definitely yeah. was. Um, and sometimes they just meet so perfectly. <laughs> um, but, but, but now, yeah, it is, there's like a kind of a modern nah. movement, but I think too, like, I mean, I think it's so fascinating like that when I'm 60, there's going to be another sixty-year-old that I can reminisce about, like Dragon Ball Z, with, yeah. and that's not going to be hey, out of the ordinary. We watch, yeah, and like kids are going to think like that was the Andy Griffith show, basically. exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, no, like the so equivalent,
0: <laughs> I guess. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Well, it does, <laughs> despite how hard we try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but you know, kind of pursuing <laughs> that is like the um, the you know that advent of why is it like that, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But there are things I think that are pretty universal. I think, you know, you mentioned that you liked, uh, the gorillas Right, and still do, but yeah, I think that's one that's one of those universal ones that mm-hmm. no matter, you know, you could be in the anime and you could be like an athlete or whatever. Not that you, not that those two things can't coexist in the same person, but right. it's like the trope, you know, uh, you're either like the geek or the, or the, uh, or the athlete. Yeah. Um, but I think both of those, you know, sub genres can both be into the gorillas. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one that kind of transcends like the social spectrum. Cause I remember when the gorillas came out and like, it was like universal. Everybody liked them.
1: Yeah. I think Clint Eastwood was probably, I think that like might be up there for the rap that the most people have everywhere memorized to is uh, um, Clint Eastwood and, and, Oh, feel that, good ink. Feel good ink more. was up there. Yeah, I remember that was that was probably when I got uh, my sisters were really into the the Gorilla self title. Yeah, and then and then feel good ink came out. But yeah, it is a joiner, and they are they uh, obvious anime influence. But, but oh, yeah. it does kind of serve as this this joining force, this kind of binding agent. That, I do like your caveat. You put pre humans Gorilla. Yeah, pretty much every. <laughs> well, then they got into CGI, you know? and yeah. I was like, well, do they, doesn't even it's not even anime anymore. You can't even. No it. <laughs> Pretty much they they've I did go see them. Uh, oh, I, I I mean, it was one of the bucket list like performers I wanted to see. But the gorillas. Yeah. So I did get to finally see them in uh, Kansas City. this past nice. September. Yeah, it was pretty. What stoked. was uh,
0: can you talk about maybe, you know, I don't, you're not necessarily prepared for this question. Awesome. But um, can you talk about maybe your favorite concert you've been to or like the
1: one that's most burned to your memory? Man, there's one that's really burned into my memory, but probably not for a good reason. Yeah, uh the Red Hot Chili Peppers in oh. 2007 in yeah. Oklahoma City, they were they like missed. It was a basically a makeup show because I think Flea uh got like a stomach bug or something so they skipped um they skipped Oklahoma City on their on their first and oh, you know, on the first tour and Narles Barkley was going to perform in that and I was I was into some fucking gnarles Barkley <laughs> that at was, that time, yeah, that was I allegations. So yeah, hap- they you know, CeeLo Green, uh, Danger Mouse, kind of doing their own thing now. But but at that time, that one album uh, was it, Saint Elsewhere. I think that was just amazing, you know, crazy. Had all the What's bangers on it, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, the, and uh, Nars Barkley couldn't make the, the the rebound show, so they got Nikki Avalon. Mickey Avalon? Or Mickey Avalon, yeah. Oh. Which was before like Harold and Kumar. Yeah. Uh, or at least the. So they had the like film. the Jane Fonda, and the My Dick song. My Dick song, yeah. Which I think people really liked ultimately. But like both the combination of being something that no one was expecting and not being Gnarles Barkley. Yeah. He just got booed. Oh, no. It was, he was crying a little bit on <laughs> stage because there was a point where he was on yes, me. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I would have taken it out on him. I maybe would have just. I was like, why aren't you Gnarls Barkley? I know. Can can you be Gnarls Barker, please? Just just try. And well, what the biggest thing was his own DJ had like, it was a white guy with an afro. So like people started freaking out. They're like, (laughs) oh, it's danger mouse. And it's like, it's not, it's not. (laughs) He's albino. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, but, either way, probably the greatest concert, um, I've been to one that's that. I Oh, and by the way, it tainted the entire red hot chili peppers. Con- like I, I oh, liked yeah, red yeah, hot yeah. chili peppers at the time. I think it was their stadium arcadium tour, but I grew out of them pretty quickly. And I think that was the moment where I was like, yeah, maybe they're not, <laughs> maybe they aren't as maybe great wasted a as life. everyone tells me. <laughs> right. But, yeah. um, man, it's really hard to, to, to narrow it down to a, a best concert I've seen. I mean, I, I really liked, um, I don't know if they've sat with me, you know, as I've gotten older. But when I was in junior high, seeing the Flaming Lips at the the Zoo Amp, it was like oh, UFOs yeah. at the zoo or something. It was Classic. a pretty big show for them. That was that was really neat to actually be there live. Um, the gorillas in itself—that was the one gorillas. That that's it, one and done. Yeah, that's it. I can no longer. I don't, I don't even listen to music
0: anymore. I think everybody. <laughs> I think everybody kind of has like that artist that you're like, I got to see these guys before I die. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if that's, you know, the gorillas, then that's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It, not everybody gets to see the band that they want to see before right. they die or before the band breaks up. Yeah. Like there's several bands like Phantom Planet always wanted to see and mm-hmm. they broke up and Rooney, I think, did a reunion and I didn't get to see them either. And I'm like, God
1: damn it. Yeah. And the, the gorillas, there's always a fear because they don't do anything for five years. Yeah. And I think humans might be the, maybe, I don't know, but it seems like it. Um, another one I got to see that, uh, a genre I'm, I'm really fond of. Um, and definitely a, the Godspeed, you black emperor, the post rock group I, I saw in, I was just about to ask you about them. So this is a perfect, transition. really. Okay. Yeah. Another incredible show <laughs> I saw in 2015 at, uh, trees, I think is it's called. It's oh, in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Trees. And they had awesome, it was, it was such a great concert viewing experience too, because like nobody, <laughs> um, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they're rock, but they're not conf- confrontational rock really, I guess. So everyone, it's kind of trance like, Um, in the way that post rock usually is. So everyone had like a really comfortable distance in between them. So you could like snake your way up to the front and, you know, go get a drink and and no one was going to obstruct your path. There was just like the perfect distance between everyone attending the concert. I think
0: that is, I mean, that's like a very seldom addressed problem. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, a general admission. I remember going to see, um, I saw a lot more, I saw more shows at the Diamond Ballroom than I care to admit, but really damn it they had like the best draw there modest mouse while. came there and yeah then... and I th- i'm trying to think of who i saw there i know it was definitely in berlin but i think maybe taking back sunday was a headliner or, yeah or, uh, i can't even think of who the headliner would have been but it was like a mad rush to the front gate like you know it's general admission yeah and man you better have peed before you got there Ooh. you better have got all the shit you wanted before you got there like because if you leave you're not getting back up <laughs> on the gate yeah luckily i'm a short guy so people are like oh this
1: this poor guy i've never actually let's put him up front i've never actually <laughs> been to the diamond <laughs> ballroom but i grew up that's okay y- is it okay okay <laughs> <laughs> okay well i'm jealous of and you no i'm just <laughs> nah, kidding i mean they have like a good draw there but y- yeah. did you grow up
0: over there in more yeah
1: something? i lived right by uh oh what is it highland east junior high my mom oh yeah it? yeah okay. she was a uh uh, choir director that she still is like She's a teacher? Two decades Yeah, she directs choir God bless her I know, right? She's so excited about the walkout It's funny <laughs> I still was reading about that I was like, geez It's about to get real They're like, yeah. oh, West Virginia did it And they're you know, I'm not going to say their education um, You know, system <laughs> is <laughs>
0: hey, well, I can well, laugh, but i like, hey, We're rates, in Oklahoma, by the way That's You're killing me. my rates in West Virginia, goddammit <laughs> Everyone in West Virginia just turn off this episode. I know. I'm sorry. God dang it. It's a big market for me. Um, no, that's funny. That's crazy, though, for sure. Like, yeah. it's insane that that's... Uh, one of my friends tweeted, like, why couldn't the teachers go on strike when I was in school? Right. <laughs> I was like, uh <laughs> I think
1: you're kind of missing the point yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little more than you, but, you know. Um, I do envy them a little bit. Like, that's awesome. It doesn't have to <laughs> snow <laughs> in schools. <laughs> um, man,
0: that's funny. Uh, I did i did think it was interesting the local bands you tapped because mm-hmm. i actually haven't
1: heard of these guys and so i was hoping you could talk about them a little bit yeah i kind of forgot who i put on uh that. lone moon was the oh, first one yeah i i was worried when i referenced him and then i submitted um that work and i was like I, is he active at all and i <laughs> uh because i i had um encountered i was covering uh for the oxford karma i was covering uh Uh, Norman Music Fest and he was kind of at what was previously Dope Chapel and he was one of the acts there and just incredible I think he was like chip tune I guess is the right word to to use it your um earlier before we got on the show some of the art you were showing me um what was that artist's name do you oh man don't do this to me I don't know yeah Jay's Uh, like writhing in his seat right now I know Jay's like god damn it we were just (laughs) talking about that But, uh, Lone Moons were kind of reminds me of that. It reminds me of like, uh, think of like DuckTales and, you know, some of the, the soundtrack to, to DuckTales on the NES and, um, you know, very almost, I guess lunar might be the best way to describe it. Very distant, very light electronic, but not particularly abrasive. Um, just very subtle, Uh, (laughs) um, I don't know, kind of independent. If you, uh, I don't know if you've play uh um I know this is about music and 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 TV primarily or animation, but uh if you ever play uh Undertale, the okay. the video game, there's a character in that Napsta He's like a ghost, and he uh he listens to music and lays down on his floor <laughs> while the, the whole of the universe <laughs> kind of uh encapsulates him and the music he plays on that is, is kind of reminiscent of of uh Lone Moon. So Tom Hog Hagamot? Tom Hagamont. You nailed it.
0: That's it. Say it with. God. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't t- totally just text Jay and ask him what it was. Uh, shout out to the uh, engineer, uh, Jay, for uh, being the salt of the earth whenever we. I know. <laughs> can't remember someone's name. The lifeblood of tunes and tunes. <laughs> the backbone
1: of this podcast.
0: Um, the other one was fervent root, the
1: oh. band that you mentioned. Yeah, and I haven't seen them live, unfortunately. Though I feel really bad. It's a uh, uh, one of my. Uh, close friends. Um, Josh, I don't know why I drew a blank from my close friends. What's his name? Was he, <laughs> <laughs> I hate and when you lost happens. another viewer. Now if he You're was like, watching, you know, he's like, I hate so much, but, um, <laughs> it's kind of a, 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 if I recall correctly, like a punk rock hybrid, but just a very, um, involved performance. They've, they play regularly in the Oklahoma city area and, and often they'll be at Norman music festival. Um, will be, uh, playing before uh, Japanese breakfast, I think is the, the band Another oh, that I'm hey. not familiar with, but apparently they're big and, uh, they're going to be opening for them, but, um, just a really involved show from what I've seen. And, um, you know, if you, if you go onto their, their Facebook page, you're going to see like, uh, a lot of audience interaction. A lot of people really excited for a performance, huh. which isn't the case. And unfortunately not, it didn't seem like that for Godspeed, you black emperor, even though I knew everyone in their own head was, was really excited. Internally. Yeah. Right. The, There's it, a bunch of introverts that were excited. At least with fervent, It's a bit, <laughs> it seems a bit more, uh, you know, uh, a bit more overt, I suppose. But, um, no, definitely check them out if you can. Nice. And I'm so sorry, Josh. I did not. <laughs> hey, sometimes we
0: space, man. It's all right. good. Um, The thing that you mentioned about, you know, one of your favorite parts of living in Oklahoma City, because that's one of the things that I think I personally just need to do a better job of like on the show is, you know, kind of highlighting the highs Mm -hmm. of living in Oklahoma City because maybe someone that has never been here would want to know what like the main draw is what's like the big thing. What's the big deal with Oklahoma city. Yeah. And I think you nailed it by saying like the creative types, of people like mm-hmm. ha- there's so many things going on around the city, whether, whether it's like, you know, there's all these art shows at the speakeasy. There's all the stuff we're doing here at the towers, mm-hmm. like all the stuff in the plaza, there's always things going on and there's always involvement. And it's a very like close knit, like a uh, group of like artists, like we, you're pretty well accepted into the, uh, into the group whenever you come in and try to, uh, you know, collaborate and be creative with people.
1: Yeah. There's definitely communal sense and yeah. it's all about uplifting. There is a, I mean, there's a community we have to cultivate, um, and it's not going to burgeon without, you know, people actually in, investing in it. So that's why I kind of like uh, JB Williams, one of the, um, local artists here. He's, he's very centered. I did an interview with him, um, a little over a year ago and he's, um, very, 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 very passionate about, building up, um, Oklahoma city for him, it's, it's, it's more focused on the hip hop scene, but regardless, it's still is this, uh, you know, there's, there's this idea that if, if I do well, um, well, a, you can do well independently, but, but also like, you know, there is this creative Mecca. There is a lot of, of people who, you know, are, are just on the cusp. And I think that's what it feels like, I guess. And maybe, maybe when we get past that, um I don't know if, if Austin is in maybe this phase or not, but it always seems like we're on the, the um again the precipice of of just breaking out. But maybe we already have and we don't realize it. We're yeah. just on that, that we're just battle not high Cognitive of it. Which is good because then we get Well really then you big get your heads. head in your ass. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. you, you can't see anything. Yeah. Um
0: Well definitely shout out to JB, also a fan of anime. Really? He likes uh, have you had him on the show? Uh Ronin Warriors. Okay. I know he at least likes that show. We were just randomly talking downstairs um, here at the tower. Like I can't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was the Nicknose guys, but I was like, man, the show Ronin warriors and JB was like, man, I like that show. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> and so it just goes to show like, you don't know who's going to like what. And so yeah. I was just like floored that, you know, someone that I thought is that cool was like into something that do the same thing. I am like, that's awesome. Yeah. But that just shows like the reach and how universal
1: anime is. Yeah. No, it's, it's, in our consciousness maybe we're you know again uh right now i think the most popular media media is kind of focused on like you know marvel films star wars things like that things that that kind of scratch that nostalgia but like we we will see a dragon ball film that is going to be Uh oh you know it it, it, that's not evolution that is an evolution (laughs) Yeah, we deserve that. We <laughs> we did. We weren't ready. We wanted it so hard, and it just <laughs> happened. And then we rushed it. But in about maybe twenty twenty five years, <laughs> yeah, we'll, there we'll will be, be old night. Like, we'll be 40, 50 <laughs> going to watch Dragon Ball Z. Eight hundred million dollar Dragon Ball Z film. <laughs> God damn! Right. I don't know. Hopefully, movies don't just collapse as <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> on yeah. themselves by that. I'm kind of banking on them. Uh, You know, continuing <laughs> still as, being around. Really, so I uh, you know. No, Fingers I'm really on that,
0: man. Well, I just want to say, Daniel, thanks again for coming out, man. Um Thank I really you. was appreciate you taking out the time to come, you know, nerd out and talk about anime. Real quick, why don't you tell people where they can like follow you on social media and like follow your projects and maybe read some of your articles, things like that.
1: Right. I forget my t- Twitter handle, but I'm pretty sure it's at Daniel Bokemper, which should be easy to remember. Um, you probably from, have that locked down, I'd say. I think. <laughs> but um or on Facebook, honestly. Um, if you want to see some more of my work, please check out Uh, Follow them on Facebook as well. Um, not only myself, but there is just a lot of incredible pieces coming out. There's uh, um, both Caleb Masters, you mentioned earlier, does things. There's also the... the uh, uh, cinematic schematic is a podcast they do regularly, which is, which is really insightful. Yeah. Shout out to the schematic. Yeah. And uh, not to, I don't know if you're competing with them or not, but no, but I, mean, a-
0: <laughs> I want, I want everyone to win.
1: So. I thought you were here <laughs> to neutralize every other podcast, and, <laughs> but, um, uh, shouts out to them. First of all, uh, at the cinematropolis, but also, um, Dot org. Uh, a lot of the book reviews I do are published there. Follow them on Facebook as well. Um, I most recently did a review of women, Woman of the Ashes, which is from, it's the first in a trilogy of one of uh, uh, Africa's most foremost uh, female novelists. So definitely wow. check that out
0: cool man well yeah thanks again for coming out and as always guys you can follow us on social media that's tunes podcast tunes tunes podcast rather t-u-n-e-s slash t-o-o-n-s we're on twitter instagram facebook and also listen to us on google play itunes wherever you listen to your uh, podcast so thanks again daniel thank you